Friends, this uh, past week, someone, a uh, med student who uh, knew that I loved uh, the band from the 90s and early 2000s, the Goo Goo Dolls, uh, bought me uh, a ticket with uh, him and some other people to the Goo Goo Dolls were at the Toledo Zoo uh, Amphitheater on Wednesday night. And there was an extra ticket, and I couldn't find any other student to go because they don't know who the Goo Goo Dolls are, um, which made me feel uh, very old. Uh, they know, like, Iris, right, the famous song, uh, but they don't know really anything about the Goo Goo Dolls. So anyway, uh, I went and had a great time. But if you know anything, was anybody else there at the concert? Nobody? See, this makes me also feel, oh, we have one person? Oh, there we go, two other people. Yeah, it was mo mainly like the students noticed they were probably the youngest people there. It was like my age and above in attendance at this concert. Anyway, uh, they remarked, which I kind of remember because I was about 14, when they uh, became recognized was their first big hit was a song called Name. It was from their 1996 album. And, it, and they talked about it at the concert that that song sort of put them on the map and set them up for the later success that they have. I'm not sure exactly what that song is about, uh, but the, the title of that song, Name, uh, after I heard it and kind of remembered it, became my source of inspiration for, for this week's homily. And the reason for that is, and I'm not sure if you noticed this, but in this really haunting gospel that Jesus tells, a gospel that I think should, like I say, haunt us and make us really think about our care for the poor. Um, but if you notice, the poor man is given a name, Lazarus. The rich man is not. He's nameless. He's anonymous. And I think, um, like for a hearer at the time, that would have been really revolutionary and striking. Um, because think about it, the rich and the successful get named in history, right? There's that saying that the rich and the successful write the history books, right? The losers and the poor do not write the history books. Okay, the rich and the successful write the history books. So if you're looking back into ancient times, you don't know the names of the poor people. You know the names of those who made it. And so to give the rich man no name and to give the poor man a name was something that would have been, I think, striking in the telling of, of this story. And so I just have a few reflections on sort of anonymity, how it relates uh, to us spiritually and to this parable as a whole. So the first is the recognition that an over-pursuit of worldly things can make us lose our name, meaning it can make us lose our identity and humanity. When we are completely consumed in the pursuit of worldly things, we can lose touch with our identity, and hence lose our name, and lose touch with our humanity. Right? The rich man in this story is just, he's distanced himself, I think, probably, over the course of his life from the poor so much Right? That he's lost his ability on a human level to connect with the poor man that's literally on his front doorstep. Right? He's lost himself. 
and thus become nameless to himself. He's become anonymous to himself by the pursuit of riches, right? And this is what Amos is just preaching about in the first reading, right? That incredible passage, right? Amos was one of the favorite biblical books of Martin Luther King Jr., precisely because of how strong Amos's indictment is against the rich, right? And Amos says, because of your complacency and your comfort, you are incapable of serving the poor. You're blinded to the pursuit of your own things, and you just, you don't pay any attention to the people that are suffering around you. You sit in your nice, uh, you sleep on your nice ivory towers and drink wine out of bowls, right? And you're just, you pay no attention, right, to the poor that are, that are living right around you. And so the first warning shot, I think, from this gospel is that to be obsessed with comfort, with complacency, to pursue worldly things on an excessive level makes us lose touch with ourselves, right? The deepest part of who we are as human beings and makes us lose touch with our humanity to the extent that sometimes we can't even connect with those who are suffering around us. The second uh, reflection is just the call to make less and less people anonymous that are around us. I know I've quoted this before, but uh, when uh, we did some poverty immersion with uh, a local guy, Steve North, uh, in town who does a lot of uh, service work, poverty immersion things, he, one of his lines is that the greatest poverty, right, is not the absence of material things, but the absence of community. And he tells a lot of stories about how just calling someone by name on the streets, know them by name, right, talking to them, being invested in their story, right, is, is often much more of a poverty, right? The fact that they feel anonymous, the fact that everyone walks by them and puts their head down so as to not look at them, right, that no one acknowledges their existence in humanity, that that often is a greater poverty than the fact that they don't know where their next meal is coming from. Mother Teresa said something similar. She said the greatest poverty is the absence of love, not necessarily the lack of resources, right? And so to give people a name, right, is to put them within reach of you, right? When we want to keep someone at an arm's length, at a distance, we avoid them. We don't want to know their name. We don't want to know their story. And it doesn't just apply to the poor, right? I think... Um, there are people that we encounter on our front doorstep probably all the time at work, uh, in our various organizations, families, who we purposely avoid, right? We, we want them to remain anonymous to us, right? We don't want to know their story. We don't want to really get to know them on a deeper level. We'd rather keep them at a distance, at an arm's length, because it's easier that way. It's messy to get to know somebody's story. To get immersed into their life. So we keep them anonymous. To know someone's name is to put them in relationship with us. I, when I uh, did my pastoral internship um, at St. Mike's in Finley in seminary, I had a great pastor, Monsignor Mike Hohenbrink. Some of you may know him. A great man. And um, when I first got there, uh, he made me and he would watch me. For an hour a day, I had to study the parish directory. And I had to memorize names. 
And he would make me sit in the living room for an hour. I felt like I was back in like uh, first grade, you know? And he would make me take the directory and study the names and memorize them. And he told me, he said, if you know someone's name, right, they feel a connection. You gotta know their names. Even if you're not good at knowing names, you gotta work on knowing their names. Now, we don't have a parish directory, thank God. Around here. Uh, so, if I don't know your name, it's because we don't have a parish directory. Um, but that, that was really meaningful to me. He knew everyone's names. And if you know that parish, it's between that and St. Josephania, definitely the biggest parish in the, in the diocese. There's like 3,400 families. And he, he knows them all. Right? He's, not even, he's senior associate there now, but he knows them all because he's studied their names. Right? And so I think the second lesson is the fact that even though the narrator and Jesus give us the name of Lazarus, it's clear that the rich man did not know his name, right? Even if he maybe knew his name, he didn't know him. He didn't know him on a deeply human and personal level. He walked by him every day and dismissed him, avoided him. So to seek to know people's names, to make less and less people in our circles anonymous to deeper personal bonds. The third reflection I had is just how much God wants to know us personally by name. I think there's this real sense sometimes in our spirituality that God knows us like collectively. Right? He loves us kind of as a group. He doesn't love me, Jeremy. He loves sort of all of humanity. He loves me. One of the cool stories of that, right, is, is our tapestry figure, Mary Magdalene, right, in that great resurrection, the post-resurrection scene where she sees Jesus at the empty tomb, but she doesn't know who it is because it's the gardener, or she thinks he's the gardener, and he says, Mary, and it's at that moment, she can't recognize him in his transfigured state, right, she can't recognize him in his resurrected body. But it's when, it's when he calls her by name that she recognizes it's Jesus. And so until we allow Jesus to speak our name to us, to know that we're loved like personally, as individuals, and me, he loves my story, he loves my journey with him, right? not just collectively, he loves me. Right? Until we sort of internalize that and feel that, right? we don't live out of a kind of intimacy, a friendship with Jesus. Right? It's, it's, that, it's that knowledge and, and interior sense that he loves me by name personally, that we can develop a friendship where we were like, we're like, we're, we're like yeah, of course I would, uh, of course I'm going to talk to my friend every day. Right? And until we sense that, right, we often don't live out of that deep spiritual uh, intimacy unless we know we're called by name by the one who created and redeemed us. So friends, I know this, this story is like, it kind of stands on its own in terms of how much it should haunt us, that we're going to be judged. It's kind of similar to the, the, right, the, the story of the of the last judgment in Matthew 25, that we're going to be judged on how we serve the poor that are around us, 
I, I mean, it's, a, it's haunting, and we should let it haunt us and challenge us um, and make us uncomfortable. It should make us uncomfortable, this, this story from Jesus. But I think so much of it has to do with the anonymity of what this rich man has made the poor man. The anonymity he's made him, the, the, the sort of anonymous nature with which he's lived his own life, losing his own identity and humanity, right? So we have to avoid that. Are we so interested in, in worldly things and attachments that we have blinded ourselves to the realities, the suffering of others going on right around us? And even maybe the sufferings in our own soul, right? The, the, the anonymity of the poor man right in front of us and the challenge to say, do I purposefully and intentionally make people anonymous in my life that I don't want to engage with and interact with and get to know? And then the deeper spiritual desire to let Jesus know us personally by name. Right? And so I don't know what that... Uh, Google's Google doll song was all about name. You should go listen to it. Recover your love of the late 90s, early 2000s. It was a good time. It's when I was coming of age. A beautiful time in the world. Uh, right? But that, that, the, the title of that song, Name, got me thinking about these realities with this gospel. And so let's seek to know others by name. Seek to know our own identity by a healthy detachment from the world. And seek to allow, in prayer... God to know us by name.